This is Jose Trevino with the Texas Rangers. Welcome to Texas Ranger Baseball Podcast with Jeff and John. Jeff Wilson started covering the Texas Rangers in 2008, though he'll never forget 2021. Out on his own, he decided it was time to do a podcast, but his wheels were spinning until a nerd came along. There's no going back now. Welcome to the Texas Rangers Baseball Podcast. Here's your host, Jeff Wilson, and the recliner nerd himself, John Moore. All right, everybody, and welcome to the Texas Rangers Baseball Podcast. This is episode number 25. Today, Texas Rangers color analyst for Bally Sports, CJ Nikowski, is going to join us. We're going to talk about this lockout and do all of that. We'll be right after this. Today's episode is brought to you by Superior Sports Investments. Established in 1995, they carry one of the largest graded card inventories in the country with the widest variety of BGS and BCCG and PSA graded sports cards. Unlike other online sellers or auction houses, they own their entire inventory. They don't take consignment, no auctions, so they take pride in every sale that they make. They make sure every card they sell is the highest quality item possible before it leaves their hands and packaged safely and securely. Visit their eBay or Amazon stores to see their entire inventories or browse superiorsportsinvestments.com. That's superiorsportsinvestments.com. And use the promo code THANKS5 for a discount. Okay, like I said, this is episode 25. This is CJ Nikowski. He's coming on in a little bit. He's doing his show up in New York right now. But right now, Jeff... um, Wow, this has been different. This week has been wild. Yeah, it's been it's been really frustrating. Um, you know the 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 way things looked Monday night and um, and going into you know look, look good and then Tuesday it fell apart and um, you know now it's a he said she said type thing. You know the the players are saying oh it was never that close and yeah you know, owners are, are giving their line and I don't I don't I don't care. You know, um, yeah, this was a completely, completely unavoidable. And, you know, I know people are saying, well, the owners, the owners are the ones who implemented the lockout. Sure. But, you know, there's two sides to negotiation and they could have started negotiating this CBA as soon as they signed the last one, you know, they could have, so it takes, it takes two to tango as they say. And, uh, frankly, I don't, I don't care who's right and who's wrong. I I know there are a lot of arguments out there saying that the owners aren't, aren't making the raises, uh, you know, in relation to the, the money they're making and, um, okay, that's fine. But what, what, what they did offer, I thought <clears throat> with the $700,000 minimum salary and, uh, you know, agree, uh, uh, taking the 12 team playoff instead of pressing for 14, you know, those, those all seem like a pretty, pretty good wins for the, for the players. And I just think they're trying to get too much of it back. And, you know, if, 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 if these student sides are dug in, hope, you know, we may be here a while. And I, I obviously hope that's not the case. No, me too. I'm, I'm, I'm so freaking mad at this whole thing. And look, it's real easy to point the finger at the, at the owners. And I know that there there's two sides to everything, but you know, the owners look, like you said, there's, there's both sides have culpability in this. I don't care what you say. The owners probably more, they did do the lockout, like you said, and, and doing that, but you know, the players, look, you have some culpability in this too. I, I don't like to hear, there was one quote out there that one of the players and it was an unnamed player who said they're trying to, you know, they're trying to, to uh, pay us less money. Well, that's just stupid to say something like that. They just raised the minimum salary from five seventy to mm-hmm. 700,000. So that's the, yes, there could be more fair, you know, balance in between for what they're trying to get, but, but quit crying poor over here in the corner. Look, the owners are crying poor and they're not opening their books. They have a lot of culpability here, but man, both sides of this suck. And I guess more probably owners, but both of them suck. Well, and you know, the, 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 the Braves did have to open their books because they're owned by a public corporation. And, you know, it came out right before, before this week in this last week in Florida and, you know, so they made a massive profit, but of course, they won the World Series. I'd say they won a World Series. They went to the they went to the postseason and and uh, you know they were one of the few teams that did not have uh, COVID restrictions all year. Right. So <clears throat> of course they're you know the the Rangers were what fifth fifth in attendance in baseball and I think they led the American League because from day one they they, they opened it up. They opened it up. So, you know, there are going to be teams who, who last year made more money than others. And 
anyway, I'm getting away from the point, but the, the point is that, you know, I, I, if, if you're going to use the Braves as a baseline and think that's what every team made as I just don't think that's accurate. Um, I just, you know, I don't, I don't feel sorry for owners because they're independently wealthy and sure. This is a, this is a hobby for them, you know, and, and they're going to make money when they sell the when they sell the team. Right. Um, but I, I don't know that I feel particularly sorry for the players either. When you see guys like Max Scherzer who signed a deal for three years, $130 million in the off season. Um, I, I, you know, and he, he's the one pounding the drum, banging the drum, the loudest saying, we're, we got to do this for the good of the game. Well, that's easy for you to say Max Scherzer, but what about the guy who's, um, riding the bus between AAA and, and the big leagues and the guy, you know, he, exactly. he, he may only have three or four years opportunity to make money. He would take $700,000. And, um, so I, yes. I just think that there's within the union, I don't think that, that all the players are being represented, um, their best interests are being represented all the players. Okay. Right. Um, you know, down the road, sure. But not everybody's going to make it down the road. Yeah, exactly. And, and look in, in the owner's respect. Yes. They're, they're not, they don't, for the most part, this is not their source of income. This is their side gig. Like you said, that, that, but I don't care whether it's a hobby or not for any successful thing to work. It cannot work at, with a negative balance spread. It can't do mm-hmm. it. You need to work at least breaking even more than more than that making money because if you can that's a healthy club when it's making money it's very self-sustaining you can take the hits if you can put that money aside on those down years like covid years and stuff like that these owners are on the hook right now the the rangers owners and i'm not here to defend them uh in any way but man they've taken a massive hit with a brand new stadium that they're on the hook for most of it uh not Mm -hmm. all of it um and and they have had no fans in 2020 and, you know, look, they did have good attendance last year. Like you said, they were one of the – the state of Texas opened up, and they said, well, we're going to open up. They took some grief for it. But you know what? Fans showed up. Yeah, nobody got sick also. Nope. But, um, you know, it's um, – you know, these these guys are – these owners are, are businessmen for the most part. Some of them inherited, inherited wealth, but they sure. know how to keep it, you know. Yep. And a hobby for them is making money, right? And so they're going to want to make their their most money, and they know they have an idea of how to do it. But you know, and and then I, you know, I also wonder uh, among the ownership fraternity, you know, there's probably a group of guys, kind of like the executive committee of the players, who are kind of con- who are kind of have a louder voice than the others. Sure. Uh, and and you know, you need to make sure that everybody's getting a fair shake here. And I think, you know, you got to keep in mind the Pittsburgh's and Tampa Bay's and Oakland's of the world. Uh, when you, when you are getting ready to blame ownership and for, for this, you have to really look at these teams that struggle to, to, um, compete in, you know, smaller market teams. And, you know, they, they have trouble spending 120 million a year on, on payroll. They really do. Yeah, did they ever come? Did they come to an agreement on a floor on the CBT, or is that still no. just something that's been discussed? No, they're, they're arguing about the ceiling. The floor makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, there, uh, what, the Rangers after they traded Gibson and Gallo, uh, or what in the twenties? I mean, it, 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 for, it, it's ridiculous how low it got. Right. Um, so if you if you can maintain, you know. 75 that seems that seems like everybody could do 75 but um anyway i i think a floor is a good thing to discuss instead of the ceiling yeah and and i think though what comes with the floor is a ceiling um you know for some of them and and i think you're not going to get one without the other that's kind of what i'm feeling if you're going to if you're going to require a floor you're probably going to the owner's probably going to want some sort of ceiling on the cbt which is you know, they're saying they're trying to use it as a, they're trying to use it as a salary cap. Right. I, I guess sort of it is, but, but, you know, you are allowed to go over that threshold. I mean, you right. just got to pay a tax on it. And I, what, wasn't there some attached draft picks or something, if you went so far over it or something they're trying to well, do? There, there, there are penalties and that that's another issue with the players. They want the penalties to be reduced so that more teams will feel like, Hey, we can go over, you know, I think last year was the Dodgers and the Padres went over. Right. Um, and, and they want to get to the point where it's uh, more teams would be willing to do that. And again, you know, it, 
there, there, there's a lot, lot at stake, but CBT uh, is the big one, minimum salary, uh, which honestly sh should have been resolved. Uh, the, the, the postseason, the, the bonus pool, you know, that that's an entirely new source of revenue. I'm about to say that's new. And, They've never had a bonus pool. money for, for these young players. And explain, I know that, explain the bonus pool. Well, what it is, is, um, the, the, the players want, um, more money for, for younger players, especially the ones who are impactful. Um, and, and the last that the players talked, they wanted $85 million. That was their last proposal. The, the owners wanted to go with 30. The fact of the matter is that depending on how it's structured, the, the, the players who won rookie of the year, for instance, right. Cy Young, five seventy, yeah. would get massive raises. You know, and, and if you're a rookie of the year and you didn't play the full season, you would get a full year of service time. So like Chris Bryant, for instance, when he won rookie of the year in 2015 and he was a day short of a year of service time, sure, he would get that that full year. So there's that, you know, MLB has dropped draft pick compensation, which is unheard of, yes. unprecedented. Um, there are just there are a lot of things that are there that that seem like you could just lump together and make and make a make a good deal. Yeah. Okay. So, and that's what that. So, is the is the. Let's say that it's fifty million. They come up with fifty million each team. Fifty million. Or? No, it's just a fifty dollar. It's fifty dollar. It's fifty million dollars from the 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 central pool. Okay. Um, and I mean, it's a big number. I mean, it's you know, it, it's for a hundred. It would be for one hundred and fifty players, I think. Okay. You know, I'm, I'm I'm not a math whiz, but that sounds pretty good to me. You know. <laughs> you know and. Uh, <laughs> So it's just, it's just another source of revenue that was created and it was going to benefit the players. So, um, you know, they're, they're trying to close the gap between the, the super high paid guys and, and, and the, the, the pre-arm guys, I get it. Um, they, they took steps to that and I, I don't care what the players say on, on that. MLB has come a long way from when this thing started. Yes. And that's the point. And listen, so for you and me, it's different. We're heading out. I mean, we're flying out Sunday. Um, yeah. and we're going to be there till next Thursday night. We both get in late. We're, we're both traveling, but this is screwed with us big time. I've had a flight booked for, <laughs> for three weeks. You were going to drive at one point. Hey, you know, Monday night, Jeff and I were on the phone late Monday night. And he's like, man, I'm leaving at six in the morning. And, uh, we, well, we were kind of going back and forth yeah. on it. I'd brought you over some equipment to take with you so that when you got there until I got there, um, I'm basically leaving at six in the morning. I said, looks like you're going to be going. We're texting back and forth. And then all of a sudden I get a text going, well, I'm not leaving yet. And I was going, I don't blame you. And yeah. so we, here we go again. So we started backup plans. Look, if nothing else, minor, you're going to have a lot of minor league stuff next week. We're going to be there for, for, and you're going back as soon as the players come. The right. Big That's my plan. At least I've got a, um, you know, I, depending on how, uh, things shake out, <clears throat> I might miss a day or two because I've, I've got to cover TCU in the NCAA tournament, assuming they make it. Right. Um, but the, the the point is, you know, we, yeah, a lot of people have been inconvenienced by this. For you and me, it's just kind of minor inconveniences. Um, you know, right. I kind of think the longer this goes, you think more about the seasonal employees uh, at, at oh, the ballpark, yeah. the people who took a beating in COVID. Um, it, you know, they're 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 out money. I mean, there's there's just no other way to say it. Um, and those, you know, those are the people that help make this, the show go on, you know, and, and absolutely. Um, so, so it, it, and, you know, you're talking about these, um, cities that, that rely on, you know, tourist income for spring training, um, you know, that it's a punch in the gut for them. Yeah. You know, what about, what about, you know, Texas live, for instance, if, oh, yeah. if there's a long lockout, what, what, what does that do? Uh, for them. And so you, you're really, it, it's, um, you know, I, I know that you gotta, you gotta worry about yourself a lot of times and nobody else, but to shut down major league baseball affects more than the 1200 players and the 30 team owners. And, you know, you're talking club employees, exactly. seasonal employees, you know, you know, the kids who get jobs that, uh, taking, you know, work in the parking lots or get some money for college, maybe, you know, sure. just all kinds of, there's such a domino effect that I also don't think it's a lot of consideration at times like these. 
No, it, it, you're, you're right. And we, we know a lot of faces that we see around there when we're there, the people that check mm-hmm. us in, when we're getting into with our credential to get there, you see guys that work the elevators, people that are cooking up there for sure. meals, the people, I mean, look, we get there hours before I'm, we get there three or four hours before pitch first pitch that we mm-hmm. get there and that stadium's buzzing. There are people running in and around that whole place, mm-hmm. getting cooking going things going like that yes do they make a living off of that i don't know but it's an income and they're there working happily and there's money to be made and they're doing it none of those guys get to work when there's nothing going on and they don't get paid unless they're at the game i'm telling you because they're not full-time employees yeah it's it's just there are a lot of a lot of levels here to it and and um that's the that's the unfortunate part you know Nobody's going to make the players aren't going to say, oh, man, we should really take care of the stadium workers. They're not going to do that. No, owners aren't going to do that. So, no. um, you know, the sooner this gets over, the better. And, and um, you know, maybe it happens when we're in Arizona. They, you know, the, the, some negotiators met today and nothing formal was uh, introduced, but um, everything was discussed, apparently. And so maybe maybe next week something shakes, shakes loose and and. You know, they give uh, they give base players four or five days to get where they need to get, and shoot, yeah. maybe March fifteenth it's starting. I don't I don't know, but uh, it sure doesn't seem like that's going to be the case. Yeah, and you know that's that was the issue. I was one of the more positive ones going into it. Um, you were you were pretty positive too, but yeah. I, as somebody that deals with a lot of negotiation and there's contracts involved in doing that, I've been there when you're you're going back and forth and little movements made. There's a point where you go, this is what we're willing to do, and if it's not done, you walk away from the table, you leave, you do whatever. That wasn't happening. They kept going back. You know, that seven days they were getting there. I kept saying, this is going to happen. If they're still going till somebody gets up, walks away from the table, this thing's going to happen. And that's what it felt like Monday felt mm-hmm. like this thing is, yeah. yeah, they're, you know, we're going back and forth. The, the word that kept coming out was, Hey, we're, you know, we're trying to get it done. We're trying to get it done. It certainly felt like we were going to wake up Tuesday morning to deals essentially in place. And instead, all this word started coming out. Players were going, no, 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 that's not what it was. And, you know, so um I'm at, and then, then they walked away from the table. So, you know, so then they walked away from the table. I don't know. So, yeah, Yeah, but you know, um, something I tried to make clear today and I'm going to try to make clear again this weekend and we can make clear right now, minor league baseball is not affected. So, you know, from round rock, Frisco, Hickory down East, they're all starting their seasons and and are, are not affected April 5th for round rock, April 8th for the others. Um, so go out and support your local minor league franchise. And, you know, if, if you live in DFW, like John and I do, um, it's a pretty good Frisco team. They're going to have assembled uh, round rock ought to be pretty good. Just a short drive down the, down the highway. So, um, future major leaguers are going to be on that yeah. Frisco team. Yeah. Well, and then, and, you know, this could be the most prospect heavy, uh, round rock team in, in several years, you know, Absolutely. so, um, get down there and, and see them um, support, support your minor league team. They really had, they really had trouble in 2020 without a season. I mean, you, you talk oh, yeah. about, you know, at least, at least baseball played and got some TV revenue. The minor leaguers couldn't do anything. So um, go ahead and uh, keep that in mind. You know, if, if, if this stock out, um, if, if it hasn't been resolved by April 8th, get your butt up to Frisco. Maybe you'll see Jack Leiter pitch or Absolutely. actually, I, I don't know. They, they may be open on the road, but what I'm, what the point, the point is that, you know, if you, if you're a baseball fan and you're a Rangers fan and you want to, you want to see what the future holds, it's going to be right there for you and they're going to be playing and it's a good time. Absolutely. And like, Hey, let me get this out there right now. I kind of tweeted out that Jeff and I'll be out there. If you had some questions for guys, not on the 40 man roster, obviously I'll try to get with some of the guys and ask your questions for you, but let me make sure you do this. Go follow the YouTube channel, the Texas Ranger Baseball Podcast YouTube channel. We'll have videos coming out all next week. Go sign up for jeffwilson.substack.com. He's going to be writing every day. Trust me. He'll probably be running me to get a quote, do whatever. You know he's doing it all day. and He's got help now that's actually going to be right there with him to run and do stuff. I've got some little things that are kind of in the back of my brain. My stuff's always, you know, not near as good as what TR and, and Jeff are putting out for the daily coverage. But look. We're going to have some neat stuff coming out. We're going to be there. We're going to be on site. We'll be able to talk to these players face-to-face. You know, I, I, every question I want, the really good questions I will ask. And I'll, I will 
say your name. This is guy that's asking this question. It'll be on one of the podcasts, but man, go follow us on the, on, on the uh, YouTube channel that we'll mm. have little videos out all week long. We'll do little videos and do that. We'll do, try to do a show from there for sure. Um, if not, uh, it may, may not have a video on it, but we'll, we'll do something there while we're there and we'll be able to record, but we'll get some of these players to talk to us too. And if it's just having some fun with them, we'll do it, but you got to let us know what you want to ask them. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, it's going to be pretty laid back. Um, yeah, we can, we can't just walk into the minor league clubhouse. There are rules against that, but, um, we'll be able to get pretty much whoever we want. And, um, yeah, it's gonna, it's, 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 it's a good time. You know, when, when, when we started, when, when I started this, uh, Jeff Wilson.substack.com for five ninety nine a month or $60 a year, <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted to concentrate on the, the minor leagues and, um, so this, this stuff was going to happen. You know, if, if there were major leaguers there right now, I'd still be spending a lot of time talking to minor leaguers. So sure. go ahead and uh, sign up. It's, it's, it's fresh. It's going to be fresh content. Um, we'll get, <clears throat> I'll get enough to, to keep writing after we get back. Uh, if there is a, 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 a long interim stretch, a long stretch there without any baseball. So yeah, you're, you're not, you're not wasting your time or your money if you do that. Absolutely. And, you know, I'll try to – I'm thinking I might be able to do this all season long um, with, with having time to do it. I don't write like Jeff. I don't write like them. But I might be able to you, – look, you're, if you're already paying for this site, I'll, I might be able every night to throw out something with some – player at each level who was the player of the game pitcher of the game something it'll be short and sweet and if you're already paying the 599 to hit your inbox every morning at hey did you know at double a this guy went three for four with two home runs whatever i'll get a, a pitcher player whatever and throw a little something together um i should be able to do it it should be a quick thing i can write every night and check box scores and do it if you don't have time to do it um i'll do it for you um i love catch watching the minor that leagues. might be all we have to do that's absolutely, yeah, that's true. Maybe more in depth until the big league starts, but uh, you know, well, let's, let's get CJ on here and uh, we'll, we'll get going with him. We want to talk about the lockout. Also, we'll, we've got some fun questions for CJ, but we'll get CJ Nikowski on here. All right. And joining us from the Texas Rangers baseball podcast hotline all the way from Atlanta, Georgia. He is the Texas Ranger color analyst for Bally sports, but he works for the Rangers. It's CJ Nikowski. Hey man, what's up, bud? Much. You know how you can tell it's the offseason? Look how gray my hair is on the side. <laughs> I, I promise you that will not be there once we, uh, whenever it is that we get playing games again. <laughs> Good to see you guys. Go natural, man. It's all right. <laughs> that's really white right now. Wow. Hopefully that's just a light. I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> oh, mine all in the beard when it comes in. And I've already trimmed it back some. But uh, you going out, are you going out to Arizona at all? <laughs> Uh, hopefully eventually we were supposed to call a game on March 16th. Um, so whenever we have spring training games, I actually just got a phone call from Bally's that say, be ready, uh, to go to spring training whenever spring training actually happens. So we definitely want to get some games in spring training, just a matter of when, I think we were supposed to originally do about a week from the 16th to the 21st. Um, you know what, if they get going, I think we'd probably would still be there. I don't know. Or maybe they push it back a little bit, but at some point I expect to be there. So you, you expect there to be a spring training soon or what's your, what's your, well, thought? I'm a little concerned. You know, we spent a lot of time in this work radio and um, digging in on everything. Something I saw today was a little bit disturbing. I don't know if you guys ever follow Andy Martino's work at all, but he was talking about, uh, he's a New York guy based guy and uh, SNY. And he said that of the 30 owners that had to vote on that kind of uh, final offer four said, no, based on mm -hmm. that offer alone, and that there were a handful more that did not want to see this collective ba or competitive balance tax, which I think is the main issue. They don't want to see it go up another dollar beyond that. So that means there could be some more no's. And to me, that is a key issue. So I am concerned. Um, and then, of course, some of the stuff that Ken Rosenthal wrote about regarding rebates for local television and how that actually works and, and missing 20 or 25 games doesn't hurt a team, at least from that standpoint. Obviously, yeah. there's no gate. You lose some of that revenue, but you're also not paying players. So I don't know what bottom lines look like. But those are a couple of the factors that tell me that there's a chance it could be more than just one week. I'd love to be wrong, uh, but I do think it's a possibility. Yeah, I think it's more than a week. I, I just, I mean, you know, I, I think what did Rob, oh, Manfred the other day said the soonest the camps could start would be the eighth, and that's clearly not going to happen. Uh -huh. 
So, I mean, I just, I, I can't see one week's of worth of games. Yeah. Every Tuesday seems like a week to me. That's why I'm looking at it. Right. So we, we go to Tuesday, they cancel a week of the season. They keep saying two series. It's a week, right? So every Tuesday we don't have a deal. I just feel like that's another week that gets uh, chopped off the season. Well, yeah. what's, tick- what's ticking me off. So they, I know that everyone traveled back. They got in a room today or two of the lead negotiators, one from the players union and one from the, the owners got in a room today. You know what? You need to be in there every day. Hmm. This uh, we broke off and now we're not going to talk for two days. I'm sorry. It's, you know, if kids are listening, close your ears. That's bullshit. <laughs> I, that's bullshit. I'm sorry. You need to be back in the room talking. Right. Yeah. So that that's what I think. And I think as coming from the fan end of it, before I started covering the team, that's what they're saying. Get in the damn room and negotiate. Mm-hmm. I do negotiations yeah. all the time. It's real easy to, if you're not going to have it done, then you should already be planning on canceling the season because you mm-hmm. know, when a deal isn't going to work. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that one. Uh, it's frustrating when there's no action, when there's no news. I think, you know, and Jeff could speak to this better than I could. Um, there's been a, a, a kind of a healthy balance on what has been leaked and what hasn't. I know we love getting as much as we possibly can. There's probably value in not everything getting out. So I don't know if it makes sense that I feel like we've gotten just about the right amount of information. But when it goes completely silent, I do get concerned. I don't think it's, a, you know, a quiet before we finally get to the deadline. But I've heard players talk about it. I, I think that they've collectively gotten together and and did their best to tighten things down, which I know for insiders makes the, the job a little bit more difficult. But there's been value in that. But it seems like they're, they're controlling those leaks pretty good, right? Everyone seems to have the same bit of information. Um, and I've been okay with it. As much as I would love to know everything that's going on and be able to talk about every single detail, uh, there is that part of me that has been kind of glad that there, the leaks or the information that's come out has been minimal. But when there's absolutely nothing, I do get a little concerned. Well, I, I'm I'm kind of wondering, you know, if you like looking at my Twitter timeline, <laughs> like the people I follow, you could put it, you know, all in one screen. And, and it's mm-hmm. what if they're just just on one text string, you know, from from whoever the guy the guys are. <laughs> and the exact words, right? Like the same Seriously, exact yeah, wording. It, it, there's no, it's almost cut and paste and and that's fine you know I'm, I'm, but to to your point i don't think they should there should be nothing nobody should really know what's going on it, mm-hmm. it, it seems like it gets in the way you know and, and i guess that's the pr side of it you know I, these, these guys are very savvy and when it comes to that um they know who the, you know they don't want to be portrayed as the bad guys yeah so they want to get and maybe that's what happened monday night that's what the players accuse the owners of you yeah. know kind of saying, oh yeah, we're, we're making progress in the <laughs> about that. That's interesting too, right? That whole angle of it. I was a player that I got drafted in 94. Mm-hmm. Um, so the strike happened, obviously that August I was in the Meyer leagues, but I was supposed to go to spring training the next year. There was no big league spring training, right? It was the first pick for the red. So you get that spring training invite didn't happen. So I, I felt like I kind of had a you know pretty good feel was certainly interested in learning everything that was going on. But what I'm getting at is there was no Twitter. There was no social media. I know we hear a lot about the kind of the PR war. I don't think it matters who wins or loses or if there really is a winner or a loser. I think if anything, the players are at risk of, you know, ticking off some fans. We saw Lance McCullers Jr. Uh, He was on our channel yesterday, but kind of went off there for a little while, then deactivated Mm -hmm. his account then reactivated. Like, you don't want to have to go through that stuff. I get the emotion which every day makes me more and more grateful that Twitter wasn't a real thing during my, my prime years. Thank God for that. Um, because you're reactionary and there's no filter. Um, I don't know if there's a winner or a loser, uh, quite honestly, in that we hear a lot about the, the kind of the PR wars. Uh, we all win when there's baseball and I feel like we all lose when there's not. Are you, do you think that all 1200 players are being, their wishes are being represented here? Because when you look at the executive committee, like Max Scherzer, Mm-hmm. reportedly is the loudest guy in the room and he's also <laughs> the highest player in baseball. And, you know, is the guy like Wes Benjamin, that was, that's been my example. Mm. Wes Benjamin's voice being heard here because guys who might have limited opportunities at a, at playing in the big leagues would probably want, would probably be damn happy with $700,000. Yeah. And that's a good point. And I just yeah, wonder, I, you know, and, and you know what it's like for uh, sure. a rookie, not going to tell, uh, their their player rep. Oh yeah, I'm not again. I'm not with you at all. You know, mm-hmm. I don't. I just don't know that that voice, which which the players have pointed out, made up half of half of the 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 playing pool last year. You know, um, I just don't know that their their voices are being heard. 
Yeah, no, it's, it's a fair point. And it's hard to know for sure. I will tell you that you know, you're, you're taking in a lot of information. If you want to take in a lot of information, there's some players that don't, they just want to go play baseball and they're, they probably would not be very good spokespeople uh, for what's going on. If you were to ask them or interview them because they just want to play the game and exactly what you said, $700,000 sounds like a great salary. Let's get going. I mean, I, you know, we love to talk about the old days. I mean, the minimum was 109 when I was a rookie. And I was to ask that, what was your minimum? Yeah, 109. And I caught so much crap from Cecil Fielder about it because I believe it was 60 grand his rookie year. Uh, they've done a great job. They've done a great job in that regard and getting that money up. Yeah. And they've made a big jump here, obviously, from what, 570 uh, last year to think that they would actually, the increase in the minimum from 2021 to 2022, the increase would be more than I actually made as in the minimum year, right? It's nuts, but that's good. Yeah. That's good news. I think sure. for those players, yes, because they know that those careers are really short, right? The average career less than three years. And we know the idea of sticking uh, in the big leagues is, is a real challenge. It's not an easy thing to do. Uh, we know all these things. And I think for those voices, for those younger players, how many are actually speaking up? A lot of them just want to go play baseball, but I will say this. I mean, Max Scherzer, if he wanted to, and a lot of these other veterans could ignore this stuff. And I'm sure there are probably some yeah. very high paid yeah. veterans that aren't all the way in and aren't willing to speak up. Um, as much for these guys. And, and they see that there's been an issue. The game has changed. We know the game has changed pretty dramatically and how much focus is on the young players, as you mentioned, Jeff, and how many are actually you know, participating uh, in making up most of the big leagues. I, I think I saw something where the bulk of the war came from these younger players, but yet they only mm -hmm. took in 8% of the, of the salaries. Um, that is concerning. And that's why major league, that's why the players association is, is trying to make these adjustments with the bonus pool and the minimum, but they are still concerned. It's interesting because I feel like the, that group that you're talking about, their needs kind of have been addressed. I think they've been, they're pretty close. I know the, the, the players association wants even more on, on the minimum. But the collective bargaining tax, the CBT, the thing that's the big hang up really does affect more of the, the bigger players and the guys that are making more money. So at this point, as much as the focus has been on those younger guys, um, I, I think probably now that the biggest issue left is how it affects teams overall and maybe some more of those higher paid players. How, how does this get resolved besides getting in a room? Yeah, it's tough. I, you know, I, I don't envy Rob Manfred. I know he's been under the microscope and has taken a lot of heat. And, and I think some of that is probably deserved. But, you know, you talk about the difference in players, right? Think about the difference in owners and trying to manage that. So, you know, and they're your boss on top of it. So you're right. trying to keep the Pirates happy, the Brewers happy, and the Yankees happy. And if enough of them are not happy, you're out of a job. And that's a pretty great job. And it's a pretty great paying job that Rob Manfred right. has. Um, he has a real challenge on his hands. Um, I don't know how I'm, I'm getting a little bit more concerned um, about how this thing gets done. They have got to figure out a way to bring up that luxury tax. And what's so interesting about that to me is what is it? It's not real money, right? It's just a line that they don't want teams to cross because they, they worry about competitive balance. And, and that's what Rob Manfred talks about. But history tells us it guarantees you nothing. You know, yeah. I was looking at the last three years, the eight teams that have crossed the luxury tax threshold, only two have won a division. Three didn't even make the postseason. You had a better yeah. chance of coming in third place if you went over the luxury tax the last three years than winning your division. It's, <laughs> yeah. it, you know, it just it doesn't guarantee you anything. And then the reality is, you guys seen it, too many teams get right up to it and stop. And that's, that's proof that it is technically a salary cap. I mean, if you look at these last couple of seasons, last year in particular, these markets, this should not be happening. The Phillies, the Mets, the Yankees, the Astros, and the Red Sox, all within $5 million of luxury tax threshold, just under it. That's intentional. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it, it's ultimately a luxury tax, and I get why the players are upset. Like Those teams have deep pockets. They want to spend, but they don't want to pay the tax. They are not into paying the tax, and that, that's problematic. So to answer your question, I don't know how they get there. I'll leave it to the people that are smarter uh, than I am. Right, They got a couple of Harvard lawmen, as John Paul Morosi pointed out on radio the other day, the Harvard guy. Uh, hopefully they're the ones that can get it figured out because I'm a little bit concerned. I don't know how to get the owners that won't move off uh, the CBT to, to convince them that we got to get it to at least 230. What about a floor? Are, That's what I was about like to ask. What about the floor? floor? That's been floated. Yeah, it's interesting. The players are against it. I will tell you that from the beginning days for me, when I was first a member of the union and you start hearing about actually even before I was a member, because even as a minor leaguer, I was interested in listening during the, the strike. Uh, they've always been against it. And they're worried about the fact that that will ultimately lead to a cap. Now, I think at some point that was probably a fair conversation to have, but I was just talking to a friend of mine in the RSN business and he said, well, take a look at the NHL. And Donald Fear obviously is with the NHL yeah. and it's been a part of that. It's worked out pretty well. 
having a floor? Why not make everybody spend $100 million? So I will have a better answer for you uh, in about 24 hours. Gene Norris is going to join us uh, on MLB Network Radio tomorrow between 2 and 5 Eastern. And I'm going to ask him that question because I, I, first I, because I, was, I was trained to believe that that was a bad idea as a player. It's a bad yeah. idea. It's going to lead to a cap. Um, will it force these teams to spend more? Because here's the deal, like, and using the Rangers as an example, if you put the $100 million out there, do you think that means they're going to spend less? No, of course not. They still are going to go out and contend and compete the way that they did this past offseason. Um, so I don't think it slows anything down and it brings the smaller teams up. I'd be surprised all the owners are close to know right now on the current luxury tax threshold how they feel about a floor. My guess is they're against that, too. I feel like they just don't want to spend money anyway, anyhow. But I, I think I find myself maybe more and more in favor of that. I'll give Gene Orza a chance tomorrow to talk me out of it. All right. <laughs> what, what were your thoughts on the 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 changes that the that baseball wants to make to the game itself, like uh, reducing the shifts, the pitch clock, things like that? Are you are you for it or against it? I mean, you you sat sat there some long damn games on TV. Yeah, no doubt. So you know, the thing is, we have a we already have a pitch clock rule it just doesn't enforce i believe it's what 12 right. seconds on the book so uh i guess having a clock and they're enforcing it to be enforced i've been against it for a long time because i don't want to see it and i don't i guess I, what i care about at this point in my life is the fan experience right so if you're watching the game on television do you want to see a clock up in the corner does it need to be on television does everybody want to see it all the time is it going to create a sense of urgency is it going to take our longtime fans and alienate them at all i don't think we're going to lose them but are they going to get annoyed by it Right. Those are the things that I care about. I would like you to see the umpires enforce the 12 second rule. That would be nice, but it doesn't happen. So we're now having to do something uh, because that doesn't happen. So I'm not completely against it. I'm, I'm probably uh, more for it than I have been at any point when this discussion has come up. Um, it'll probably help a little bit. Certainly keep the game moving for some of the slower workers. I am also on board um, with the shift, much to uh, banning the shift, much to the delight of, of Joey Gallo and others. And I do like the idea of having everybody on the infield, you know, we have these adjustments. We have, there's certain ways that you can play defense in the NFL and the NBA. They adjust accordingly as far as what's best for the game. And it's probably about time that, you know, we have to tell baseball uh, people, you got too smart. Uh, we got to change it up a little bit. Great job. It, it really worked. I mean, the evidence is there. It's not even close, uh, but our guys can't hit for average anymore. It's really bad. Um, and we need to get the, you know, get the playing field a little bit more even one, one of my years in the big leagues, kind of when I had some consistent seasons in there, the league batting average was 270. It was the highest all time. Does that not sound absurd by today's standards? <laughs> like there were the guys are the average, I think is, was 244 last year. Uh, I know batting averages and everything, but we still like seeing those hits. And if you smoke a ball to right field, you know, 220 feet, it probably should be a base hit. Yeah. And I guess we've, we've seen the prime example of it here in the last, five years with, with Gallo, you know, I, I remember, I think it was, it was last year. It was, yeah, it was 2020 when uh, Manny Machado made that play. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Corner. You know, the third baseman playing second base and he races out to the right field corner to take a double away. I mean, <laughs> That's amazing. You know, and, and I know what Joey <laughs> said last week about, about the shift and he took a lot of crap for it. Um, including from my man, super 70 sports. I didn't really appreciate that, but mm. uh it's legit. Absolutely. It really is. I'm not saying Joey Gallo is going to hit 310, but he's not going to hit 204. No, that, that play was so absurd. I mean, he was standing in basically almost in front of the foul pole, right? At that point when he made yeah. that catch, man, he was nuts. Um, and I'm with you. And I think for fans, I think the fans like baseball, like everyone, they get smarter as each generation goes along until they say something like, why can't you just hit the ball the other way? I'm like, oh, now I don't think you know what you're talking about because yeah. these guys are throwing, you know, upper 90s with consistency and there is nobody in baseball. Not Tony Gwynn can't take 98 that is middle in and hit a line drive the other way. You can't. Yeah. Now, I know command isn't what it is, but I do think that the fans need to understand that as much as we all wish it were true, I like using the example of Nomar Mazzara. Because he would do it. And, and Nathaniel Lowe last year, right? These guys, are yeah. they're going to take what is given. They do a pretty good job of that. Uh, but you're going to, at some point, you're going to get into a count where it's, it's going to be possible. You have two strikes on you. You're going to have to go after that pitch inside, and they're playing you to pull, and there's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing you can do about it unless you get the ball good and hit it out of the ballpark or you get a little bit lucky. Uh, but those guys are a couple in, in recent Rangers history that I thought did a relatively pretty good job when that opportunity came, and then the shifts changed. But if you're shifting a guy, this is all, I always wondered about this from the very beginning when we started seeing these. I always wondered for a pitcher, okay, well, we're, we're, we're shifting him to pull. Does that mean I can't throw my fastball away at all? Does that bat? 
like middle away if I'm feeling yeah. it, right? There's, yeah, there's no that kidding. battle that goes on. Um, and so I'm not saying that the hitters are not at fault at all. And we know the generation has changed a little bit, but to say, hey, just hit the ball the other way, it's, it's just not that easy. I'm glad right. you said that because when you're coming at it from the fan side, I'm a guy too. I played baseball. I played it my whole life. It's like, you know what? Learn to take it the other way, but you're right. You know, when you were playing, what was the highest you ever threw the ball? Uh, one time the wind was blowing at my back in Atlanta and the, and the stadium gun said 96, 96. But I, I think it was fake. Uh, but I still like to tell that story, What'd but I would say, or, I would, I, you know, yeah. Oh yeah. Easily. And you know, I, I, I peaked at 94, probably on, on a good day was probably where my peak velocity would be before you get into, that, I will tell you this. I did ask Kyle Bodie completely joking around. I don't know if you guys saw the, um, a couple of years ago, baseball America wrote an article about radar guns in the current state of the way that we, we measure velocity. Right. And he said, you know, we used to get it, um, you know, at the plate or maybe halfway there, but now we get it right out of the hand. So the readings are higher. I'm not saying that guys aren't throwing harder these days. They absolutely are. But I asked him a couple of years ago, maybe like a year ago, I said, you know, I read this article. I saw it. I said, you know, I touched 94 in college early in my career. Based on what you're saying, can I tell people that I that I touched 99 to 100? I was completely joking, right? <laughs> because of the way the radar, the way that we pick up speed now. He goes, yes, you can. Straight Holy face me. He straight faced me. I was like, come on. He's like, nope, that, that's the difference. And MLB, the MLB at Bad App actually does a really good job. If you ever watch the games um, in that game day, yeah. it'll show you velocity out of the hand. And then when it crosses the plate and a guy throwing 97, that ball's about 90 by the time it gets to home plate. It's really kind of amazing. Uh, and cool. we're getting more and more velocities right out of players' hands. Again, I'm not taking away anything from anybody. I'm not here to tell you I sat 99 to 100 as a player. <laughs> but the reality is, is that it is, it is part of it uh, to some degree that the way that those velocities are measured compared to a couple of decades ago. Well, I tell you what it does, too. That that makes you go back and look at Nolan Ryan and say, that guy <laughs> was throwing 103, 104 then. Yeah. His, his was 96, 97, 98. Yeah. Back then, when they were measuring it as it was getting closer to the plate, that's saying if it was coming out of his hand. Yeah, it's nuts, right? It's, it's, cr it's crazy to think about. Now, I don't know if you get higher that, you know, maybe that margin starts to change. I don't know. I'm sure you guys remember Matt Anderson, first overall pick out of Rice University. Oh, yeah. He was a teammate of mine. I saw him hit 102 miles an hour in 2000, you know, with some consistency. I mean, what, what, where would he be right now? Would he be 105? I don't know. Sounds crazy to say it. Um, but those every once in a while, those rare guys, you mentioned Nolan, certainly in his generation. And, you know, um, fortunately, Matt Anderson dealt with some injuries, but there was there was a time there where triple digits were nothing. You know, we saw it all the time from him. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. I remember. Yeah. And and then you get guys who blow out. <laughs> Just Yeah. With, you know, and that's consistent now. It's all the time now. Right. Yeah, you almost yeah, have yeah. to expect it. Keith Meiser, yeah. his line is you can't put a, <laughs> you can't put a, a Volkswagen engine in a Ferrari. Yeah. You know? <laughs> And that, that when he talks about the elbow and then, um, but anyway, we, 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 we've strayed, we've strayed. Yeah. It's easy so, to do with me. Sorry. No, I'm, 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 oh, I'm going to come at you with some questions that you and I've done before when you first came on the, the old podcast, but, uh, I, I, there's some fun, fun questions I want to ask when we get there, but we're not done here yet. We still right. have some more crap to talk about. So when, when, when the Rangers do at the field, what do you, you, you think they get Kershaw? It's a good question. I forgot who wrote it the other day that that said that essentially what it's uh, it's the it's the Rangers are bust maybe yeah, potentially nine, if he goes into retirement. Yeah. So um, I got to tell you, I wasn't sure what the interest level would be. I would see a couple of really big moves by the Rangers this offseason. I don't you know I don't know if they can get all the way to these favorites in the division, but we know this. We know Chris Woodward obviously has the great relationship, but I also know that he values the other things that. Clayton Kershaw would bring to the table, right? So even if it was, I don't know if they'd be interested in a two-year deal. I don't know where he is. Um, it'd be great to have him. There'll be impact, though, if you can get him in that uniform and in that clubhouse, that will go beyond just the years that he's here, even if it's just one year or two years. So I do believe that the Rangers value that. They could see the upside of it. Uh, what it would actually cost them to make it worth it is obviously another part of that equation as well, but I think it's certainly possible. I didn't think so at the end of the season. Uh, but now as they start to see things play out a little bit, uh, I think it's certainly possible. Well, and I wonder how close he is with Seager. I mean, I'm, they've been teammates for mm. seven years. So I, I I just wonder if that is a factor. And But I wondered then, you know, if Kershaw's like, hey, I was I want to I want to be a part of this thing next year. So I, I, want, I want a two-year deal. I wonder if that would be – I mean, the, the Rangers are still going to – they have what? They'll have, I think right now they have $80 million in in future financial commitments. So they'll have – basically the Odor and, and Andrus money back in the uh, play next year. That's so right. Maybe they can't afford it, but. 
expectations are high as they should be in that regard, as far as what can be spent. And obviously the beautiful ballpark at Texas live and uh, yeah, the pressure definitely coming from the fans, even though it was already an amazing winner. Yes. Yeah. You know, I I wondered what that was when I saw that, where it was basically he wasn't going to go back to the Dodgers to see the Rangers or retire. Is that something to indicate maybe the Dodgers just said, basically, we're not coming after you? Is that that's kind of how I read it? It's like, what is he hearing from the Dodgers or something? Or who was I think it's certainly possible. You remember the last deal that he did, they seemed a little reluctant when they got it done. Not that they would, you know, I would say reluctant, not that they were out there publicly saying it, but if you tried to read between the lines, I think you could kind of tell that they they probably had their concerns. You know, they're certainly a team with great resources, but at the same time, they're not going to make foolish moves either, right? They don't want to put money and not get a return on it. And they wanted to be very careful about how lengthy they went uh, with Kershaw in that last deal. So they go with the higher AAV uh, and don't want to risk anything else. That was less than what he was making in those prime years. But I, I think... If it was up to them, they would love for him to say, you know, I just want to go home for the last couple of years. I think that would make everybody feel really good. And there doesn't have to be any version of an ugly divorce. Well, and um, I mean, the last time we saw Clayton Kershaw on the field, he was walking off. It hurt. I know it's it's just a just a flexor tendon and he's had time, but he still needs to prove that he's healthy. Hundred percent, and that's part of it too. And that, and maybe that gets you that discount that we we're talking about. That perhaps makes him fit on a two-year deal. Maybe that second year has more incentives, and in it's it's this base, but yeah. this amount of innings then bumps it up to that. You know, from the previous year, those kinds of things. If you if you really wants to get it done, if you really wants to take a shot at, like you said, he's got the relationship uh, with both Woody and, and Corey Seager. Uh, I I think it can be had as long as you know. And I get it too for some guys. As long as there's not too much of a pride issue, or the Rangers try to come in too low and and you upset a guy, he seems very reasonable reasonable uh great guy obviously hall of famer all that kind of stuff so i wouldn't think it'd be an issue but um at the same time i don't think just like the dodgers wouldn't overextend themselves i imagine the rangers wouldn't do that either sure i, sure. I think it seems to be him also <laughs> thinking he doesn't want to come do it unless he feels like he can do it so i think sure. he, he's kind of holding back and going well i'm going to make sure i'm healthy before i even put it out there yeah I would agree. He's a quarter billionaire. It looks like over the course of his career, so it's probably yeah. not about the money. <laughs> but uh, but, but still, either. <laughs> yeah. And maybe listen, take a look at the training room and all the great stuff that's in the clubhouse, and you might think that he can instantly get healthy and be ready to go. Well, Absolutely. I mean, he spent a month. He spent a month in the home clubhouse in 2020, so he knows. Yeah. He knows what's there. Yeah, it'd be nice. It'd be fun for sure. And then I guess the question becomes, let's just say he is healthy. We get to kind of go down fantasy land here a little bit. Um, but if that were to happen, automatic opening day starter for you guys? Sure. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Look, there's no one on the team yeah. that, yeah. I mean, what the only one that could possibly you maybe look at Dunning or something because he's been here. Um, yeah. the, the, they tend to try to try to go with the guy that's going to, you know, that, that they feels earned it or, you know, through history or something like that. Yeah. I mean, you know, Jonathan Gray, that's a great one too, but you've got two guys that were here last year through the muck oh. and, yeah. uh, and you might give Dunning or Hearn, you know, an opening day start just out of courtesy. But yeah, Kershaw trumps all of that. But you sell more tickets in game two, right? (laughs) (laughs) And as it stands right now, if there are no more games canceled, the Rangers will open up in Toronto. So now you make him your game four starter because he would be game one at home. Absolutely. That's it. You've really looked into this. Oh, yeah. I think like a businessman for sure. (laughs) I know how this stuff works, which, by the way, along those lines, not to hijack your your stuff here. But I, I talked about a little while ago. It's I get really irritated with I feel like the Rangers have completely gotten screwed on schedule. The last oh, yeah. couple of years, like you remember, like you know, we had the Cubs open up one year. The Cubs come once every six years. We get them for an opening series. Really right. close yeah. out the ballpark. We get the Yankees and the Red Sox to close out the ballpark. They were going to be fans there anyway. Now you got to worry about visiting fans coming in. And now the Yankees to open up this season for a four game series. And that that series is gone. Right. The yeah. Yankees and they're and we're supposed to go to Houston right after that. So sure. the Yankees will not go to Texas this year, even if this thing gets settled tomorrow. That's right. unfortunate. Yeah, that is. Those are those are those are always the high revenue games or whatever the, you know, on the ticket cost, whatever they call them, the premier games. Yeah, I mean, we keep getting hosed, man. Like, why are these opening game opening series? It's bad enough that we have three of our teams within our division that are two hours behind us. Right. You know, which is a killer for TV. Uh, But the idea that, man, I'm like, where are our favors? I hope they're coming soon on the schedule. because I haven't seen them in the last few years. Yeah, Good point. Good point. All right, John. Let's have, oh, let him have. Okay, so look, we're going to go back and, and talk about a, li- a little bit of bio here from, from CJ. We've done this before, but not on the one here, the one no. with all the, the good fun. Uh, okay, so you're from Don Bosco Prep. Correct. Did y'all play against, because we had Leiter on here, Jack Leiter on here. He's from mm. Del Barton High School. 
Was that one of your uh, rivals when you were in high school? Not when I was there. I was familiar with Del Barton, but no, it was more Bergen Catholic where Mark DeRosa went. It was uh, St. Joe's where John Flaherty went. Um, it's a division uh, that uh, really birthed a lot of broadcasters, um, but I don't know, baseball-wise. But no, Del Barton was not, uh, was not one of the teams. Okay. Hey, now, now another deal, you, were, you, you went to St. John's. You went somewhere before St. John's, didn't you? We talked about I did. that. Florida Atlantic, when they used to be a Division II school, I went there for, for one year. Now, any other schools coming out of high school, or would, did you not have a lot of choices? I had two options. It was Florida Atlantic or George Mason, who the assistant coach at George Mason um, was Dayton Moore, which is kind of interesting. I didn't realize it at the time, but he was a coach there, yeah. So I decided wow. to, to go down to Florida, yep. Okay, and then transferred to St. John's, where – Everything. What was the difference? Uh, you talked about this. You you started to learn long toss or something. You got your speed up, right? You, yeah, a couple of different things. One, first of all, I tell people all the time, I did not break 80 miles an hour in high school. And that's why I had limited opportunities coming out, even though it was just a lanky lefty, you know, couldn't break 80. But, you know, I had some success in high school, which gave me a little bit of an opportunity to play in college. Uh, started gaining some weight. Um, naturally, I was always skinny. I had really uh, competitive roommates who held me accountable to working out. It became almost like a competition. Um, and it just propelled me. And all of a sudden, sophomore year, I'm hitting 90. And junior year, I'm hitting 94. But yeah, long toss, heavy ball, probably not the way they teach it now. I mean, I literally would play catch with a heavy ball in between innings. Not recommended. Don't do it. Um, but those kinds of things. And I just, you know, I, I look back and a lot of it doesn't make sense. I had more walks than strikeouts my freshman year in high school at a Division II school. And yet still got an opportunity to go play at a Division I school after that. It's kind of nuts. Well, so in, in what in a lot of people, whether you know this or not, he was the ninth overall pick in 1994 by the Reds. Tell me about draft day. It, today, everyone's in New York. They're doing that. What happened? How did you find out you've been drafted? Where were you at? Were you having a party waiting on it? Did you know it was coming? Tell us about your draft day. It wasn't quite Western Union like it was for some players a few years earlier, but it uh, was a phone call. So for me, uh, when the, my junior year started, they told me that I might get drafted in the 10th round. I was thrilled. I'm like, wow, I'm going to get drafted. I couldn't believe it. Uh, Baseball America did their top 100 uh, draft prospects. I was the last one. So I could have very easily been left off the list. But as the year went on, I was having a good year. Other guys were dropping and I was kind of rising. And it wasn't until two weeks before the draft that someone said to me, hey, you're, you're probably going to go pretty high in the first round. Like that was news to me two weeks before the draft. Um, and so we sat around and it was actually, it sounds really dumb as a pitcher, but I was banking on the Rockies. The Rockies had the seventh overall pick. And part of it was because Bob Gebhardt was it Bob? Yeah, the GM at the time um, visited me in person to watch me pitch in a men's league game. St. John's did not make the postseason that year. He hadn't seen me pitch and he wanted to see me. Um, and so uh, came in person and he, we had a really nice conversation. I really liked him. So I was really hoping that I was going to get a phone call from them. Didn't happen. I did have friends over. I had the old cordless phone from the early 90s with the really long antenna and <laughs> uh, waiting and waiting for the phone to ring. The phone rang. It was a friend of mine. I was like, hey, I'm, you know, I'm waiting for a really important call. I have to go and hung up on her and then waited. Um, and then eventually Jim Bowden, who works at MLB Network Radio and I've worked with since, um, was the guy that made the phone call. And I kind of held up a five and a four with my fingers and said nine. And it was a complete shock because we had no conversations with the Reds um, whatsoever leading up to it. So it was all, that was all very interesting. I signed the very next day within 24 hours. I wanted to get my career started. Uh, Jim wanted, was very aggressive, sent me to double A, uh, but he wanted me to go like a day or two later. I said, can I, I want a few days at home. Um, and this is not an exaggeration. We partied for three days uh, straight. Um, I was of age, so I don't mind telling you, we had a couple of kegs and uh, it was a great time in my driveway. And uh, it was we, it was very enjoyable. It was a good memory. Uh, my girlfriend, now wife, was there as well. And so, uh, yeah, very fond memories from, uh, gosh, a very long time ago. Yeah, 94. That's when that, okay, you paid 10 years in the big leagues, but you have some unique things. So I, we want to hear the difference of this. You also played in Japan and Korea. Yeah, it was great. I'm so grateful that we got to experience that. Uh, my kids went to school. My two oldest went to school in Japan for a little while, which was really cool for them at an international school with kids from 20 different countries. But probably half the kids were Japanese. So when they got on the playground, they had to learn. They had to speak Japanese to get along with the kids. It was great. Right. Um, I love the experience. You know, it's not very often that a, a left handed reliever, non closer gets to go to Japan. That's not a common thing. It's usually sluggers. It's starting pitchers, maybe maybe closers that throw hard. So I was very lucky to even be there. Um, it was fantastic. You treated like a rock star. 
Uh, we had a long flight. Uh, I came from Atlanta, went to Atlanta, Chicago to to Tokyo to Fukuoka. Um, all that flying, you're greasy, you feel gross, and you land, and all of a sudden you got like the Britney Spears treatment. There was like literally like paparazzi and and probably twenty cameras taking pictures of you. Um, it was um, it was wild, man. It was it was wild, but it was a lot of fun. Um, really enjoyed it. And uh, grateful to have the opportunity. Korea was fun too. My agent said that two years later, you want to go to Korea? I said, no, I didn't know anything about Korea. I felt like I was ignorant to Korea. Um, and we enjoyed that as well. It was a really good experience. I tell people a lot of times, Korean baseball, a little bit closer to American baseball, my, my opinion, even though they haven't been playing the game as long, more of an aggressive style. And it's fun now. I love when I see players come to the big leagues from those countries and, and try to talk to them a little bit in the Zooms when I can. And um, it's just, uh, it's been one of my greatest life experiences that I'm uh, incredibly grateful for any of the food from over there that you that you brought back with you and you love to eat uh, from from japan or from or from korea that you enjoy korean food is really spicy um and so that which is not doesn't work well for me so i didn't um i didn't love it it was okay you make it work there's plenty of western options over there so that wasn't a problem uh but the japanese food is i really enjoyed especially the yakiniku the place that i played in fukuoka known for their ramen um, which was really fun. And, uh, and my oldest son ate cow tongue when he was there. So it was, uh, wow. it was a really fun experience yeah, for had, everybody. Cow tongue. When the, uh, when Darvish signed, mm-hmm. the reporters would, you know, ob- obviously flocked there and there were shoot, I don't know, 10 of them on the beat. And, um, they would, they would take us out. They would take no, us great. out. So there's a place in, uh, in, in Irving called Mr. Max and they had funky stuff, man. They had like, <laughs> <laughs> shark, shark fin oh yeah yeah they don't waste anything either yeah it is uh, a it's a treat in, uh, there was a place in san francisco we went i had i had beef tongue and and pork cheek and then mm. i had uk which is raw raw hammered okay that's fine a raw egg on top of it they got me with the um they got me with the uh like the live fish they almost look like tadpoles in a little bowl uh they were only available like two weeks a year and uh you're just supposed to down it in one oh, shot boy. and uh yeah it was uh, it was interesting and like everything else over there i felt like my translator constantly kept telling me it's gonna give you stamina and he'd like hold his fist up like super excited so I'm, like, I'm pretty young i don't feel like i need it but all right <laughs> all right so one of the one of the things we started with the with the players that play in the field is we do a thing called the home run game and that's three home runs your first one you ever hit how old were you mm. then some memorable home runs and then the longest one i want to come at you now that you're retired from the opposite way. Let's talk about some home runs you gave up. Ooh, fine. <laughs> okay. Any, uh, any memorable ones? Like, do you remember like ones where you gave up a walk-off or you gave up a big lead or something now that you're done? Well, if you're going all levels, I do remember a monster home run that I let up in high school uh, because the field that I played on at Don Bosco was also kind of a soccer field. So left field was, it almost seemed like it was out of play at like 435 in the gap, but a guy found his way to get there against me. Um, I'm convinced he probably took PEDs. I don't know. I shouldn't say that, but um, without saying his name, I guess I could say it. The first one I ever let up, I don't want to say it's embarrassing because I would never say anything bad about another big leaguer because the guy stuck around for a while and he was a Northeast guy, uh, but it was John Cangelosi who I think had 11 home runs in his career, 11 or 12 home runs. And the first one I ever let up was to him, um, which is a little weird. The fun ones, uh, Mike Piazza, um, hit the second longest home run at the old Atlanta Braves ballpark. I say the old, I guess the one in the middle there. Um, it, um, Turner. At Turner field, uh, hit the second home run, longest home run off me at the time, um, in that ballpark. So that was kind of funny. He was a former teammate at that point, And I let him get his arms extended, which was a huge mistake. So, um, that was, that was probably one of the bigger ones, if not the biggest one I ever let up. Uh, and then there was just some guys that like Carlos Delgado, who hit four home runs off of me more than any other player I ever faced that I could not figure out for the life of me um, how to get out. And I remember those two. I remember him hitting me out to right, hitting me out to left. Um, but those are those are probably the ones that stick out the most off the top of my head. So the, so the one on Piazza. That, oh, sorry. Go, Jeff. What were you saying? Delgado would be left on left. No, I know. That's what made it worse. I'm not even I don't I not even exaggerating or lying when I tell you that I would drop down to him every once in a while and just made it up as I went along because I was so lost on how to get him out. <laughs> hey, right. you know what? They all have, even Nolan had some people that just had his number for some reason or whatever. So the one that Piazza hit, I guess, I guess that's a, that's an interesting question. So the minute he barreled it, did you not oh. even have to look? You were just like, Oh gosh. Nope. Didn't have to look for sure. Um, it was a big one. He had, you know, listen, he had that kind of power. Certain guys, we know Manny Ramirez and Alex Rodriguez, Juan Gonzalez, 
uh, Mike Piazza that when they get their arms extended, they could hit the ball not only a long way, but out of any part of the ballpark, right? The, uh, the opposite field power that those guys had uh, was incredible. And Mike Piazza was in that group as well. Okay. So now we're going to get into just some uh, not baseball stuff. What, Hey, what's your favorite kind of food? What, what do you like to eat when you get to Italian food? You know, I used to, for a long time, I felt guilty um, ever saying anything that my mother didn't make, but my wife is, she just kills the chicken parm and my youngest oh. son, he's 14 now will he'll eat it three days a week. Yeah. <laughs> and not exactly. She'll make it for him three days a week. So I'm all about it. She, she crushes it, but Italian food is, is where it's at for me. Okay, so is that that's one of the questions. I'm going to come to it in just a second of your favorite home cooked meal and who cooks it. Let's just go ahead and get it out of the way. Is that your wife's chicken parm or what's your favorite yeah. home cooked and who cooks it? It is. And it used for the longest time it was my mother's and now um, it is my uh, my wife's for sure. So I, I would say probably um, she does a good job, though. We both do. We, we share a pretty good amount um, in the cooking. But yeah, that, that's up there. I guess if I was to ask her to make something, um, that would probably be it. Although the Mexican casserole is not bad either. Oh. Mm. Oh God! All right, it all sounds good. I've lost twenty-one pounds. So I know. I'm, I'm watching you. Keep it up. That's awesome. <laughs> so I'm having to watch what I'm eating now. Okay, restaurant. What's your favorite restaurant? Fast food. If you're having to try to grab something, what's the one thing you'll go get? Yeah, I mean, fast food. Chick Fil A for us is is a big one. We don't eat out a ton, quite honestly. Like for my wife and I, we're not like, oh, let's go to our favorite place. Like we're kind of homebodies. Um, but we'll we'll be up for sushi if if uh, if that's something that we want to do. We pick our spots. If we, if we knew we were going to go out. Uh, for something that would probably be it. All yeah. right. We're going to end it with this one. This is something, and whether you hear some of these answers we get, it's something that's so bad that nobody knows about you. Something nobody knows about you. And here's some interesting ones. We've done this with all of them. Name something that no one knows about you. Jack Lighter. Can't stand peanut butter. Never. Jeff, oh. and, I are, Jeff and I are still mad about that one. Jack Lighter can't stand peanut butter. We've mm. got, who, what else do we have? We had, well, no. Bill got part of his finger cut off when he was yep. four. Yeah. Slammed in a door and he was holding it in his hand, showing his parents. That's a pretty good one. My yeah. favorite one was that that led to a national story was the was the uh, Brock Burke one. He told me one day that he walks in his sleep, uh, walks around in his sleep, and that led to funny stories about Joe Palumbo and those guys when they would room with him on the road. He would get mm. up in the middle of the night, fight his pillow, and do stuff like that. <laughs> what is something nobody knows mm. about CJ Nikowski? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um... And as far as like not getting myself in any version of trouble, you know, I've kept the secret for a long time um, from my parents. I still don't think my mom knows, quite honestly. But not, it's, not, it's not something to be particularly proud of, but I, I actually fell asleep driving when I was a when I was a junior in high school and, and totaled my car. And luckily, uh, nobody got hurt. It was a really kind of crazy, uh, should have never happened story. I, one of those deals, I lied to my mom. I was sleeping at my friend's house. Other people said they were sleeping at our house so we could try to stay out late. Um, but the secret that I've taken... Uh, that I think I'll take to my grave. Hopefully she doesn't hear this, um, that I had two empty kegs in the back of my car at the time um, that they still don't know um, to this day. So that is like the, the dirtiest of dirt um, that you could have on me because I wasn't of age then, the way that I was when I got drafted that time. So that's a, that's a, a maybe a secret um, that at least she doesn't know she's the last person I wouldn't want to find out. Um, I don't know. That's a tough one, though. I mean, I feel like I don't know. I feel like we keep it kind of simple. Um, and I love doing uh, DIY stuff, man. I'll do it for days. I've been chipping away. We've had an unfinished basement in this house for 15 years, and I spent a lot of time in this this winter um, chipping away and uh, painting and sheetrock and electric or what I can do without helping the house burning down. So I uh, absolutely <laughs> love uh, DIY stuff. I get lost in it in the off season, um, which I'm more than happy to do. That's a great one. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that is good. I, I wish I, I I made the mistake of marrying a woman whose dad can do anything. And so that's a mistake. We, that's <clears throat> no. Well, my, he lives in Illinois. I live in. Oh, Dallas. so she yeah. wants me to be like dad. I kid you not. At our first little house we bought, we had this wall that was not a load bearing wall, had no didn't go to the mm. ceiling. It was kind of a decorative wall that went all the way across our living room. And we had decided we're going to rip out this wall, just open this whole room. But this thing was literally 14 feet long. That's how long it was. Oh, and one day, while heading to the grocery store, she looked at me and went, you know, while I'm gone, why don't you just rip out this wall? And I looked at her like, who do you, th I, who do you think I am that I could do that? <laughs> I said, and she said, my dad could do it. Yeah, my dad could do it. And sure enough, we had to pay someone to do it. I was like, I can't mm. do it. I don't know anything. That thing's got a plug in it. You know, I'm going to yeah. burn the house down. You made the right choice. I blew a hole open in my office this year because it leads to then our closet, and our bedroom, which then goes to our bathroom, which was super risky. And sure enough, there's electric in there and you better know what you're doing. I'm not telling you that I do. Um, 
but now I can walk from my office into my uh, into the bathroom in our bedroom. So, but it's fun. It's nice to have it open, and you know, who appreciates it more than anybody. The dogs. It gives them much easier access to hang out with me when I'm doing radio shows. There we go. I uh, I changed two light bulbs the other day. Oh my! We're, we are all crushing it right now. <laughs> That's right. Hey, I did put in a ceiling fan one time, and I bragged about it for a year. Everybody come in. Hey, I put the ceiling fan. In. I nice. <laughs> still working. It is. It's at the old house. I mean, they may have replaced it by now. We sold it five years ago and bought a bigger Listen, one. So you should be proud of that. It's not when you get it done and something works right. It's fantastic. Uh, when you start doing something and realize you should have had a professional do it, it's the worst feeling in the world. <laughs> I, I've spent the money on professionals and have never regretted it. I'm like, you yeah. know what? I'd, I'd rather be mad at them if it doesn't work because they've got my money and they got to come back and fix it. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you got baseball practice, right? We do, yeah. I got to run. You know, Michael Barrett, you guys might remember that name, runs a, a travel yeah. program here where we live. And uh, I'm only helping out when they're short, and they are short tonight. Well, I've got I've got soccer, soccer practice for my daughter, so this is a good time. All right, time. guys. Well, listen, that's CJ Nikowski from the Rangers broadcast. Jeff, you and I, we're going to see each other Sunday. We're flying it out to Arizona. We'll be covering there from next week. Until next time, we'll see you at the yard. 